Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Welcome to Balance Black Girl, a podcast dedicated to mental, physical, and emotional health from the Black woman's perspective. Tune in to hear from Black woman health and wellness experts giving the approachable advice you need to help you feel your best. I'm your host, Lestrandra Alfred. Let's dive in. Thank you for tuning into Balanced Black Girl Podcast. My name is Les. I am your host, and I am so honored to be sharing space with you today. I'm coming at you with another solo episode. I hear from so many of you that you really enjoy the solo episodes and more personal perspectives from me. And though I have felt some hesitation and fear, if I'm being honest, around putting myself out there with the solos, I do think it's important that we continue getting to know each other better. And in full transparency here in Balanced Black Girl Land, There's a lot going on behind the scenes on the business side of things. I'm currently restructuring how I work, restructuring and rebuilding my team, and am pausing guest interviews and logistics that come with that for a while, while I build a team to provide the support that the business needs and just get my processes down. Because your girl is a creative, not necessarily a process person. And as the platform grows, I'm realizing that I don't quite have the infrastructure to support bringing you those conversations. And I really want to get them in place so that it can be the highest possible quality that it can be. So for the next few weeks, it's going to be just you and me. So don't worry, interviews will be coming back later this summer. But I do have a few topics that I would love to address solo that are frankly a lot easier to produce and put forth than the guest interviews, but they will be coming back soon. So today's episode is one that has been on my heart for a really long time. And I feel a little nervous putting this all out there, but I do think it's really important to talk about, especially as we are starting to turn a corner in this pandemic, and that is around solitude and the single season and loneliness and and what re-entering and starting to get back into social or potentially romantic interactions look like. So I've been calling that my single season, at least the space that I'm in. And when I say single season, I'm referring to my personal extended period of time living as a fully single adult. Even if you aren't single, stay. 
try to eat pretty well, a pretty balanced diet with lots of produce and fruits and veggies, but I would be lying if I said to y'all that I got the daily recommended servings every single day. It just, it doesn't happen every day. And that is why I love Athletic Greens, which is a comprehensive daily nutritional beverage to help fill in those gaps. And with so many stressors that we're all dealing with, things like busy schedules, poor sleep, exercise, the environment, work stress, or simply not eating enough of the right foods, we can be left deficient in key nutrients. And that is where Athletic Greens can help. So just one scoop of Athletic Greens contains 75 vitamins, minerals, and whole food sourced ingredients, including a multivitamin, multimineral, digestive enzymes, green superfood blend, and more. And they all work together to fill those nutritional gaps in our diets. I also love that Athletic Greens increases my energy and focus. It aids with digestion, so I love taking it in the morning before breakfast, and it also supports a healthy immune system all in one scoop, so you don't have to take a bunch of different pills and a bunch of different vitamins throughout the day. It is super easy. Part of my morning routine, I just add a scoop to a bottle of water, add my vitamin D3K2 drops, shake it up, and I'm good to go. Which, by the way, speaking of the vitamin D3 and K2 drops, right now Athletic Greens is doubling down on supporting your immune system and they're offering Balanced Black Girl listeners a free one-year supply of their vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase via our link in the show notes. Basically, you'll never have to buy vitamin D again. Y'all, this vitamin D is major. I love the vitamin D supplement. So just one drop of their vitamin D3 K2 supplement delivers 1,000 IUs of vitamin D3, which is so important, especially for us as melanated people. It is harder for us to get the vitamin D that we need from the sun, but vitamin D is critical for so many functions of the body, and it's really important for us to supplement together what we need. Athletic Greens makes it easy for you to take care of your energy, immunity, and gut health in one simple scoop. So you can visit athleticgreens.com balanced to get your free year supply of vitamin D and five travel packs with your first purchase of Athletic Greens. That is athleticgreens.com balanced. with me because there will be value for you here as well. If you have ever had a season or a period of time that feels like an extended lonely season, which for a lot of us over the past year, that's been really emphasized by the pandemic. Let's talk about it. So for background, I have been single for a minute, a minute going on four years now. And when my single season started, I would be lying if I said I thought it would be this long. (laughs) And in the past four years, I have had moments where I loved it. I've had moments where I hated it, moments when I resented it, moments when I resented myself for not being in a different position, moments where I resented others for not being who I wanted them to be. And I've also had moments of incredible peace and gratitude for where I am and where I'm at and where I've been. 
So I'm not sure how much time y'all spend on TikTok, but I spend more time than I'd like to admit on that damn app. It just, it gets you. And I love and I'm entertained by it, but I've also gotten sucked into single life TikTok and big yikes. I mean, some of the conversations <laughs> can be really depressing and a really big downer. It's all about changing yourself to be this healed, magical person who can attract something or all about these different ways that you can manifest and manipulate someone into feeling a certain way about you. And I think a lot of common language can just feel like such a downer when we're talking about single life and single people and what comes with that. And I really want to change that a bit. And I want to have a different kind of conversation about single life and about seasons of solitude. I don't want it to be treated like a means to an end to get to an end point of partnership or, you know, even if that's not what you're after, new friendships or a new city or a job or whatever it is you feel like you're missing and want to call in. I don't want the time in between or where you are now or where I am now to feel like a means to an end for whatever that end goal is. And I've absolutely felt that way absolutely felt that way. And that's why I've gotten sucked into those types of conversations. But over the past year in particular, my views have really started to shift and it's been really beautiful and really fulfilling and really life-changing and maybe not in the ways that you'd expect. But a big part of changing my views is really doing a lot of reflection and understanding where I've been and having a sense of curiosity about my past and my patterns and the beliefs that I'm carrying and what I need to let go of to call in what it is that I'm looking to call in. So I want to go back a bit and talk more about my background and upbringing and experiences with relationships because so much of where I am today with solitude and partnership is as a result of seeds planted in my childhood. And that is the case for so many of us. If we look at where we are or the ways that we react to things, there's probably an event earlier in your life that has contributed to that perspective that you have now. And really unpacking that is so valuable for moving forward. Personally, I've had a very deep, unwavering sense of solitude since I was a very small child. I was an only child until I was eight and felt really comfortable and content spending time alone from a young age. But deeper than that, I've often had this small part of me inside that always felt very alone and not just being content playing by myself, but just a deep kind of soul feeling of solitude, regardless of how many people were around or what was going on from a very young age, I had this deep rooted feeling that I just didn't have people, that I didn't have people who truly saw, heard and understood me, that I didn't have people who could just let me be and fully love and accept me being. Even with family, even with friends, there has been this sense of being an outcast and just being different and not belonging that I've felt from a young age. And I wouldn't say that that's necessarily gone away, but as I got older, 
I got better at adapting and molding myself to being whoever I needed to be to feel some sense of connection with others, even if it was very surface level. Because by truly fully being myself, it just seemed like that only got me in situations where I was completely alone. And in a lot of ways, that belief rang true because it was so deeply rooted and it rang true for romantic relationships, friendships, you name it. And now I'm at a point where I'm openly unpacking and challenging that belief because while there has been some truth to it in the past, from my experiences in the past, I don't want that to be the truth anymore. And I believe we have the power to create our reality. And I want to create a new reality for myself where that's concerned. So reflecting back on my childhood, I've realized how many messages I internalized that made it challenging for me to receive love, attention, and affection openly and made it really challenging for me to understand that it's okay to want and need all of those things. It's actually in our nature as humans to want and need all of those things. But if you grew up like I did, you may have been made to feel bad for wanting those things with the intention of people trying to protect you. So when I was young, some of my biggest fears were of being perceived as fast by my grandmothers. You know, my granny was always calling somebody fast or saying somebody was fast. And my grandma, her term, she didn't really call people fast as much, but she would refer to people as a hot cock molly. And if she called you a hot cock molly, you know, <laughs> you knew what that meant and it wasn't a good thing. I was also really deeply afraid of being perceived as too needy or too much of an attention seeker from my mother. And I grew up with a lot of messages that these were all bad things from the women I looked up to and loved and admired and respected the most. And as a child, I didn't fully understand context and I didn't understand that the intention behind this messaging was good and for my own protection, even though it did impact me in a negative way. I didn't understand that the reason why my granny instilled the fear of God into me about not being fast was because she wanted to protect me from predatory situations. But as a kid, as a young person, an undeveloped brain, I took that as all things affectionate are bad. All things sexual are bad. I am bad if I desire or ever seek any of those things out. That was the deep-rooted belief. That's not what she said, but that's what I heard. I didn't understand that when my mom told me not to be an attention seeker, when I heard her maybe say some not super nice things about people that she perceived to be attention seekers, it wasn't because all attention was bad, which was what my child brain and programming automatically went to. Quite the opposite. She was actually trying to instill a sense of self-confidence, a sense of get that validation from within for me. But again, when you're young, what you heard and you perceived can be different. So what I heard and perceived was hide, be small, don't be seen, don't be heard, want nothing, need nothing. And I'm just now beginning to understand the implications that that's had on me and dismantled those beliefs and how those beliefs have impacted my relationships, platonic, romantic, all of the above. And then on top of that, there was a long cycle of teen pregnancy in my family that happened in several generations that I was a product of. And I saw that and saw, said, okay, I don't really want to repeat that because it looks like that makes your life a lot harder. Everybody who I see who has been there seems to be struggling. There is not ease there. 
there's not really a lot of happiness there. It just seems really hard. And again, this idea of you're producing something that needs things, that needing things is too much. It's too much to bear. So don't need anything and and don't have anybody who needs anything from you. And then your life will be a lot easier. So long before I embarked on any sort of romantic relationship myself, I had all of these fears and beliefs deeply rooted in my psyche that would impact my ability to love, to be loved, and experience intimacy. So not surprising, by the time I started experiencing these things, those experiences were not so great. Shocking, I know. A lot of my peers and friends started dating and entering, you know, relationships. I put that in quotes in middle school and high school, which I think it's common for a lot of people. I did not. Certainly not because I didn't want to. I had my fair share of crushes and boys that I was interested in and low-key obsessed with, if we're being honest. Not that anyone would really know it on the outside, but on the inside, I was obsessed. But I never felt like the people I desired truly saw me or had any interest in me. I was really quiet. I was shy. I felt awkward. I didn't feel like I had candidates where those experiences were available to me. And honestly, I just kind of felt like I was a magnet for the leftovers, for just whoever was trying to cast their net or shoot their shots far and wide. And I just wasn't going for that. So I figured as a teen, I was better off just not dating than going for the leftovers. And for somebody who had a lot of baggage at a young age, I think back to my teenage self, and I'm actually proud of myself for having some pride and some standards, (laughs) because I think it's very easy to not. And I really wish my early 20s self could have kept some of those standards that my teenage self had. So by the time I got halfway through college, between what felt like a combination of raging hormones and raging FOMO from spending the last several years of high school and beginning of college seeing all my friends have boyfriends and people who liked them and dates and experiences that felt unavailable to me, I finally was like, let's go. And with that attitude, I willed my way into the most toxic situationship you could imagine. And when I say I willed my way into it, I mean I really forced it. There was this guy who, when I was a freshman in college, I had a huge crush on. I thought he was so cute. He had this long-term girlfriend for a long time. They ended up breaking up and I saw an opening. So I forced a connection despite red flags that should have been really obvious. Now my more experienced adult brain reflects on that. And I'm like, oh, honey. (laughs) Um, But I didn't know any better. And it ended up being a really bad experience. So having had truly zero experiences dating before that point, I was really naive and I was really vulnerable. And I ended up having a really traumatic experience that shook me hard. It rocked what confidence I had at that time and ultimately led to me throwing those high standards I had completely out the window. I really deeply questioned my worthiness in ways that I really hadn't questioned before. And 
I walked away from that experience with some really serious insecurities. And from that experience, again, my underdeveloped, still kind of child brain planted a seed that said, pursuing someone or being with someone that I'm attracted to isn't safe for me. I have to take what I can get because that is what's safe for me. So after that experience, those standards that I once had for myself went out the window. Preferences that I had for myself went out the window. And I had a series of relationships that were just me taking whatever I could get from whoever expressed interest in me regardless of how I actually felt about them. And honestly, it was just a series of relationships where people expressed interest in me. So I dated them for a year or two, knowing that the feelings, the connection, the attraction just wasn't there for me. But I was so deeply afraid to even consider dating or connecting with someone who I was remotely attracted to again, or that anyone else was remotely attracted to because I had this deep-rooted fear that that was no longer safe because of that first experience. And that was really, really challenging. Not to say that they were bad guys that I was dating, because they weren't, but they just weren't aligned. And I started to align my worth with the perceived value of who I was dating. Because I was dating people who weren't particularly attractive, they weren't really like the guys that anyone else would really go for, I then started doubting my own worth of like, oh, wait a minute, so this is who I'm pulling? This is who I'm attracting? What does that say about me? What do people think about me if I'm dating someone who's maybe not that appealing to other people, but then also this fear of dating someone who was appealing to other people? Because when I tried that off with other people, they went. And it was this really, really weird situation where I had a lot of fear and a lot of shame and a lot of ego. I think back to those first few real relationships and me dating those people just made no kind of sense. It was me dating who was around and showed me attention at the time, which was a a stark contrast from my deep-rooted childhood belief that seeking attention was bad. So not only was I dating these people who I wasn't into and had nothing in common with, but knowing that I was only dating them because I was lonely and seeking attention then created this sense of shame because I wasn't even supposed to be seeking attention in the first place, right? I was supposed to be fully self-sufficient. All of my feelings, all of my worthiness, every sense of being was supposed to come from within me. So I felt like a failure for one, dating these dudes who just didn't do it for me. And two, I felt like a failure for even relying on that for any sort of validation. And that was really hard to take and ultimately led to the demise of those relationships. And my last relationship of that sort ended a few days after my 24th birthday. And I reflect on that time in my life with so much appreciation It was really a profound time of growth in my life. Um, At that time, I was living on my own for the first time. I was really falling in love with and finding a groove with fitness and wellness. And being in a relationship that wasn't right for me just didn't make sense with so many things that were happening in my life. And honestly, when that relationship ended, 
again, no offense to that person, but I just felt a sense of relief. I was like, cool, I have all these new interests and these new things that I want to do. And this dude is kind of holding me back from being able to do them. So I saw it as an opportunity of dope. Now I can do the things that I really want to do. So around that same time, that was when I started really plotting uh, wanting to move to LA in my mind, really making it a reality. And I actually created a list called 25 by 25. And I did that because on my 24th birthday, I was very depressed. <laughs> I, I mean, obviously I was a few days out from a crumbling relationship that I didn't really want to be in anymore. I was in a job that I just didn't love anymore. And so I thought, okay, I'm turning 24. I don't feel great. I'm feeling really bad. But when I turn 25, I want to feel so good. And so I created my list of 25 things I wanted to do by the time I turned 25. And I don't even remember everything that was on that list, but I only accomplished about half of it. (laughs) And through that, it was the most beautiful time in my life. I just, I grew up so much and grew into my own skin and came into myself in so many beautiful ways. And some of the things that I do remember from my 25 by 25 list were I wanted to run a half marathon in two hours and I did that. I wanted to travel outside of the country besides Canada for the first time and I did that. Something else on the list, I wanted to move to LA. I didn't do that by the time I I turned 25, but I eventually did that. So it took a few more years. I wanted to buy myself a new car and I did that. I wanted to start a blog and I wanted to start creating content. I did that. I wanted to teach fitness classes. I did that. But one of the things that I do remember having on the list that I did not do was I wanted to be single for that whole year. I wanted to be single until I was 25. And I didn't do that. (laughs) But it was unintentional. So I got a solid six months of single life in during that time. I made it halfway there. And my time being single during that season was filled with going out with my friends, working on my fitness and checking things off my 25 by 25 list. Actually, I spent a lot of time with my parents and family, and I did some casual dating. I mean, that was around the time that Tinder first started becoming more mainstream, but I wasn't too pressed about it. It was just kind of something to do in what little downtime I had. But during that time, I was really stepping into my own and fitness and wellness, and I had this newfound sense of confidence that I just never really felt before. And so it was something that I was just really chill about. Because I had a goal that I wanted to spend at least a year to myself, I was open to meeting people, going out and having conversations, but I wasn't really looking for anything. So during that time, I ended up connecting with a guy who I went to college with, who I didn't know very well in college. I knew who he was. We went to a really small school. We had mutual friends, but never really interacted in undergrad. And during that time, we got to know each other. We started hitting it off. And before I knew it, I was like, does he like me? Like, what? (laughs) But given my history, the idea of even being pursued was so foreign to me, especially being pursued by somebody who was actually like cute and kind of had their stuff together and was 
pretty desirable. Like I didn't really understand what was happening. I'll be honest. I was a little oblivious. I just knew that he was like really nice to me or he would look for excuses to talk to me or hang out with me or would bring up topics that I would be interested in. But it took me a while to understand what was really happening. Cause like I said, I was very oblivious especially when most of our interactions were in a group setting. We were usually surrounded by our other friends. So I was thinking like, huh, maybe is, is this what's happening? I don't know. So after a group of us went out one night, several of us came back to my apartment, which was where we had a pre-funk and we were all just talking, hanging out. Eventually our other friends fell asleep and he and I just stayed up all night talking and we talked for hours endlessly and effortlessly about everything, about funny stories, our childhoods, things that happened in college, life after college, people we dated, like truly everything. And eventually my phone started ringing while we were having this conversation. I looked at my phone and I realized it was like 8 a.m. It was my alarm that intended to wake me up the next day was ringing. We literally had an all-nighter just talking for like six hours straight and didn't even notice. Like it was wild to me. I never felt like I had connected with anybody like that. And that was when I was like, okay, whoa, something's happening. Are these feelings? (laughs) I don't usually have these. So what are these emotions? Am I emoting? What is happening? Uh, But of course, me being myself, because I like to make things difficult, I spent a good few months after that still friend zoning him, being scared, wanting to stay in my own little world, wanting to stick to my goal of being single for that year. And he was definitely still kind of actively courting and pursuing, but not in like an overbearing way. However, his presence was definitely there. I definitely started to like him after talking to friends about the situation. I think I even told my parents, they were all like, are you stupid? Like, stop. If you like this person, he clearly likes you. If he's putting up with (laughs) this for however many months or whatever you're doing, like get over yourself. If you like him, just date him. And I did. And we dated for almost four years. And that relationship taught me so, so much. That relationship was the first time I truly felt like I had a partner, not just a guy who I was tolerating at the moment for attention or to have somebody to bring places so that I wouldn't have to be alone. That person was truly a huge part of my life and of my decisions. And during that relationship was really my best friend and someone who I could go to for almost anything before the shift happened. And when I say the shift, I'm referring to a shift in energy in that relationship that resulted in it ending. So the first two years seemed amazing. There was so much love and care and mutual respect and plans for the future and all of these amazing things. Like I was fully convinced this is it. This is my person. We're going to get married and we're going to have babies and this is just it. This was so easy. However, under the surface, there were also some things that weren't so amazing. And 
those things that weren't so amazing really took their toll by the time we got to the second half of the relationship. So the first two years, it was like that newly bliss thing. And the second two years was kind of hanging on by a thread. (laughs) Um, At that time, we were just two really young people who had a lot of healing to do individually and together who didn't have the tools or understanding or wherewithal to support ourselves or one another in the ways that we needed. I should also say, you know, and I can't speak for him or any of of his feelings, but for me, a lot of the shame that I carried from my childhood, from wanting affection, from wanting to vocalize my needs, but feeling like they were too much, were very much still there. Those things don't just go away. And were a really big factor in what contributed to the demise of that partnership, at least the ways that I contributed to the demise of that partnership. I didn't have the tools or the skills to ask for what I needed, yet I became incredibly resentful when I didn't get what I needed, which largely contributed to the shift. And as that relationship came to a close, I was also entering my Saturn return and really struggling with my sense of self, my confidence, my career, my finances, you name it, I was struggling with it. And it brought out some sides of me that weren't so great, some sides of me that I don't even really recognize today. I mean, that period of time was really, really challenging. And he was also struggling with some similar things. And we both had a lot of ego. Neither of us was really where we wanted to be in life. And so we just kind of started taking it out on each other. And what started as something that felt like a really beautiful connection started to become really toxic. And I think we both went through a period of time where we were really hurting one another, but also neither of us were willing to walk away and fully let it go for quite some time until I reached a point where I just couldn't be a part of that anymore. Because if there's one thing about me, I'm often the first person to walk away from something. Just got to a point where it was too painful. And then when we were still kind of talking, I reached a point where I was like, this isn't healthy. We're still relying on each other in ways that aren't healthy. There's still a lot of emotions here and we just shouldn't even be in communication anymore. And I reached a point where in order to move forward, I had to fully let it go. And what was interesting was that each time I let an aspect of that relationship go, whether it was ending it in the first place, ceasing communication, cutting off contact, like these were all things that were me, my doing, I initiated those those actions. I would then start leveling up in other areas of my life. I feel really bad saying that, but it's the truth. It's what's happened. Those things that I was struggling with and so insecure about, about my finances and my career. You know, at that time I was living with my parents and I was 26, 27. And I felt so insecure about the fact that I was living with my parents at 27. The more I stepped away from trying to save that relationship, the more of those things started turning around. Every time, every time I took steps further and further away from those relationships, I would get a new job or I would get a new place to live or I would get a new contract or I would start making more money with each step away from that situation that I took. And that's not to say that it was his fault or that he wasn't supportive or that even he was holding me back in any way. Reflecting on it, it was the opposite. Like 
he was definitely my biggest fan and supporter of the work that I was doing that has ultimately led to this very platform and Balanced Black Girl. And still, he still supports this platform and believes in my work so much, but I didn't believe in myself. I didn't believe in my work and I couldn't both sustain that relationship and find that confidence for myself. And I didn't understand that at the time, but now I understand that for me, the energy of focusing so much on him and on fixing things with him is what was keeping me from moving forward in other areas of my life. And so when I fully walked away from that situation, I had the energy and I had the space to receive in other ways. And that was when I started believing in myself and believing in my voice. And I started manifesting these beautiful things, jobs, trips, more money, opportunities, places to live, promotions. My brand started growing. When I fully closed the door on that chapter, I was in full-on receiving mode. And I truly didn't know how to receive before that time period. And once I started learning how to receive, my life shifted in major ways. So that takes us to the 2018 timeframe and the true beginning of my single season that I'm still in today. That was the true beginnings. The relationship that I was previously talking about ended in 2017, but we were still, you know, going back and forth and being toxic. And then in 2018, I was like, all right, I'm out. And over the past three plus years, I have been all over the map. I have had some time dating up a storm and all that comes with that. Your girl has been out here. And I've actually met some really amazing men through dating apps and being set up and mutual friends and just being out, day parties, running into people, events. I've been on dates with people that I met at the grocery store. like. So many different types of people. I've been on dozens upon dozens of dates over the past three years with all different types of people. And overall, my experiences have actually been really net positive and I feel really lucky. Although none of those people have been my person, I feel really fortunate to have been in situations where I was safe, where I was respected, when I, you know, told someone either that I wasn't interested or whatever, my boundaries were respected. And I feel really, really fortunate to have had that experience. And I don't take those experiences for granted. Now, I've also had some really terrible dates. I could honestly probably do a whole podcast episode telling you stories about all of the terrible dates that I've been on from men from these dating apps and from everything else. And it's not that they were bad people, but they were just like, not my guy. They were not what I want in a partner. They were not how I want to feel when I'm with someone. Goodness, what else has happened in these three years? I've found my way into situationships that have been really challenging. I have been ghosted for sure. I have done the ghosting. But what I've refused to do is revert back to my early 20s self who was seeking validation in all the wrong places. I didn't want to do that. I had been down that road before and I knew that it would only take me to somewhere I didn't want to go. So that has really contributed to my season of solitude because I now have a better gauge for when the vibes just aren't right. I don't 
want my time wasted. And I don't want to waste anyone else's time either. My discernment is so much better and I know how to decipher and trust red flags. I can look at a dating profile and decipher red flags. I'm now at a point in my life where situationships are a no for me. So if somebody's not looking for what I'm looking for, be blessed. There's plenty more out there. I hope you find what you're looking for. I know I'm going to find what I'm looking for and let it go. There's just so much peace when you have an abundant mindset and you're willing to let something go. And speaking from a hetero experience, I've also learned that a lot of men will pursue women hard and find thrill in the chase. But if someone chases you down and you still don't want them, but you're just like, okay, fine, that's not going to end well. Trust me, I've been there. And although some men may like to chase, they still want to feel wanted and desired. So I've definitely ended things with people after a few dates because I knew I just didn't like them. And I wanted to free them up to find someone who does like them and who appreciates what they bring to the table. And they may not love that, like ego, they may still want to chase, but I've felt a lot of peace in those situations. Now, like I said, I've been all over the map over the past three, four years, and it has not been all sex in the city over here. I've actually spent a lot of time in solitude where my phone dry, DMs dry, apps dry, dry, dry. And that has really allowed me to go within and unpack some of those beliefs that I had been carrying from childhood and past experiences. It's allowed me to take a critical eye to the role my ego has played in friendships and romantic relationships. And I realized that my ego was actually playing a really big role in those areas and really holding me back from experiencing the connection that I truly desired. This time in solitude has also allowed me to really unpack the reasons I felt shame for needing others and for wanting connection, even when it felt unavailable. And I've had to do a lot of work and introspection to realize that wanting to connect with others doesn't make me weak. That asking for help and support is not a weakness. It actually takes a lot of strength. Wanting the support of others doesn't mean that you're insecure and it doesn't mean that you don't find a sense of worth from self. It's part of being in a community. And it's been a time of reprogramming that messaging that I internalized and realizing that I can have what I desire and still feel safe. Ultimately, for me, it comes down to safety. And I realize the type of solitude that I had been experiencing from a young age, just that deep, Empty loneliness came from a desire to feel safe. And when I made that connection and realized actually I can connect with others and still feel safe, so many things started shifting and moving very quickly. I also drew some interesting connections between my career and finances getting better when I first became single a few years ago. Because for a second there, I thought, okay, does that mean that I have to continue being alone to become successful? Like, is that worth it to me? Because y'all, people on social media make these jokes that after a breakup, like women will immediately, you know, get a degree, a new job and stuff overnight. But I'm telling you, when my relationship ended four years ago, when I say in a matter of 
weeks. I mean, within about 10 days of that relationship ending, I literally got a new job where I had probably doubled my salary, which isn't saying much because at the time I was working in retail and I went from retail to like an entry-level marketing position. So doubled my salary. I wasn't making the big bucks, but I could then afford to move out of my parents' house. And I had signed a lease so that I could move out of my parents' house within 10 days of that relationship ending. Like I was about that business. And each time I took a step further and further away, these things would keep happening. I cut off communication. I launched Balanced Black Girl. I established some more independence. I get offered a new job. I get a new contract Like with each step. So I thought, okay, the more single I become, the more successful I'm getting. So what is the pattern here? Because naturally our brain wants to just draw those hard and fast conclusions. But I've also done a lot of reprogramming of those associations that have come up for me in the past few years about becoming more successful after becoming single. And I realized it wasn't being single that made me more successful. It was alignment to myself. It was a willingness to take more risks and channeling my energy into things that moved my life forward instead of putting all of my energy into relationships that weren't meant to work out. But when the right thing comes along that is meant to work out, it's actually going to fuel those things that I'm doing. It's not going to take away, right? So really reprogramming and remembering that what is for us continues to add. It adds and it multiplies. It doesn't subtract. And even with that growth and introspection, I would be lying if I said I haven't had my moments over the past few years where I'm like, okay, this is cute. The growth is cute. The therapy bills are expensive, but where is my person? Because I have done every manifestation ritual for a partner that you can imagine. I've done every meditation, visualization. I've taken courses. I've written a list outlining the qualities I want them to have, 10 ways to Sunday. I've made a list of how I wanted to feel. I've done calling in the one. I have opened my heart chakra in every which direction. I've prayed. I've done it all. I've taken every aligned action there is to take. And I've also been really, really impatient. The only thing that I hadn't done until very recently was allow myself to just be, was to truly, for the first time in my life, not worry about being too much or wanting too much or asking for too much. Because you're only asking for too much if. You're asking people who can't meet your needs. So I really had to allow myself space to emote freely, to be honest with myself about my feelings and really not stuff them down. And this has been recent, you know, only over the past few months, it was kind of early 2021 that I came to these realizations and started making these shifts and felt my energy shift. And the really interesting thing about this place of just being that I'm currently in is I felt really big shifts all around me. And this year in particular, for the first time ever, I feel like I'm slowly but surely being seen for the first time in my life. I've been attracting new experiences and people who are just truly in alignment with my standards and what I've envisioned for myself, and not just one, but many, an abundance of them. 
when we, especially we as black women, are often taught that our desires are scarce, that there's scarce options for us. And that's not true. That's not true. It's only true if we believe it to be true. When the pandemic hit last year, I definitely felt a deep sense of solitude, being in a new city, far from everyone I knew, starting life in a new place and not having people. And my goal was to not re-enter the world with the same walls built up that I had my whole life before that and going into the pandemic. And it's been a lot of work and it's been really hard and it's been a big energy investment in myself. But I truly feel like many of those walls and barriers to connection that I thought followed me my whole life or were my destiny have truly come down. And as I look to re-enter the world and explore connection as we turn a corner here in the pandemic, it really feels more possible than ever. And I say that with my whole chest. I have no doubt that connection is possible and exists for me. And it exists for you too, if that is what you desire. So that's my story. (laughs) That's my story about single life, about connection, my season of solitude, whether you are also single and exploring partnership or Maybe you're just looking to cultivate stronger friend relationships or better relationships with family or a new career opportunity, whatever it is you're calling in. I know it's possible for you. If it has been put on your heart, it is possible for you. You don't have any desire that is meant to go unfulfilled. And I really mean that. I truly, truly, deeply believe that. I believe it for me. I believe it for you. I believe it for all of us. So I hope you enjoyed this episode. By far one of the more personal ones here. Please hit me up on Instagram. My account is at balancedless, or you can hit up the podcast account at balancedblackgirlpodcast. And let me know what resonated with you from this episode. I want to thank you so much for being a part of this community, for tuning into the show, for supporting me and the Balanced Black Girl mission the way that you do. I truly could not do this without you. I appreciate you. I would love to hear from you. I'm sending you so much love and want to thank you again. For listening. So I will be back to you soon with more of these solo episodes. Also, if you have requests for topics that you would like to hear, I would love to hear from you. Again, you can hit us up on Instagram at Balanced Black Girl Podcast, leave a comment on our latest post, or shoot us a message there and let me know what solo topics you would like to hear, and I will do my best to bring them to the show for you. Again, I'm sending you so much love and I appreciate you listening. Thank you for tuning into Balanced Black Girl. 
If you enjoyed this episode and feel called doing so, we would really appreciate a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. Don't forget to check out the show notes and more offerings at balanceblackgirl.com.